Success is about more than just business strategies. It's also about aligning with your higher purpose and clearing inner obstacles that stand in the way. I say this because you deserve to do what you love and to feel fulfilled along the way. And the reality is you're likely spending more time than you'd like to stuck in self-doubt. You may be asking yourself things like, why do I never seem to reach my biggest goals no matter how hard I work? Or why do I never quite feel like I've done enough, have enough, or am enough? If any of these sound familiar, you are not alone. And I've been there too. The good news is that the solution is simpler than you think. I'm sharing it inside my new four-day women's immersion, The Inner Critic Cure. This live four-day event includes daily classes, potent practices, and a brilliant supportive community of like-minded women. And best of all, it's only $37. This method is gentle yet powerful, and it actually works even when others haven't because it's based on a proven psychotherapeutic framework called Internal Family Systems or IFS. By the time you leave, you'll have the knowledge and tools to not only heal your relationship with those harsh inner voices, but to turn them into your strongest allies now and for the rest of your life. So join us to discover how to put an end to those negative voices that have held you back from your biggest dreams and desires. So you can live into the full potential you know is possible for you in both your business and in your life. You can learn more and join us inside the Inner Critic Cure at programs-saravonstover.com forward slash immersion. That's programs-saravonstover.com forward slash immersion. I'd love to see you there. Hello, welcome to the Sarah Avonstover podcast, a space to come home to your inner wisdom. I'm Sarah best-selling author and teacher of women's yoga, meditation, and spirituality. And this podcast was born out of my own desire to hear Dharma talks, which are what the Buddhist tradition calls wisdom teachings, through the distinct lens and voice of the sacred feminine. Here, I'll share these very talks, along with rich conversations about all different facets of the feminine spiritual journey. But above all, I created this because I believe that when a woman gets still and quiet enough to hear her inner wisdom, she's able to live her true path in the world. I hope this podcast helps you do just this. I'm happy you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, all. Today, I want to talk about something that I haven't spoken much about yet here on the podcast, and that is health. Taking care of my health is one of my top three priorities in life. And currently, out of those top three, it actually holds the first position. So my health is my number one priority in life right now. And the reason for this is that I know that without my health, without feeling good in my body, everything else suffers. My relationships, my work, my mental health, my spiritual practice, everything. And being a highly sensitive person, I know many of you can relate, 
who started experiencing health challenges as far back as a toddler, I know that I have to take better care of myself than the average person just to feel well and to be able to show up and serve other people in the way that I want to. And with a high level of stress and trauma in my life due to a series of challenging events several years ago, as well as also entering my 40s, my health was definitely impacted and my body was talking back to me and I was listening. Throughout my adult life so far, especially during my 30s, actually you could say 20s too, 20s and 30s, I've pretty much tried everything under the sun in terms of health protocols. Juice fasting, water fasting, colonics, coffee enemas, celery juice, and the medical medium diet. I've been a vegan, a vegetarian, a carnivore eating according to traditional Chinese medicine guidelines. I ate raw food for a while. I tried Ayurveda, liver flushes, liver cleanses, Whole30, the clean program, bone broths, the autoimmune protocol, paleo, keto, intermittent fasting. So seriously, you name it, <laughs> I probably tried it. And when I was younger, you know, some of these things did work for me for a little while. But in recent years, they only seemed to make things worse. And this, this is what led me to the conversation that I'm going to be sharing with you today. Uh, because things changed for me last summer when I was listening to an interview on Lacey Phillips' podcast called Expanded. And in it, she had a conversation with a woman named Unique Hammond, an LA-based holistic nutritionist, bean protocol coach, and author. Unique shared her health journey from suffering with debilitating Crohn's disease that stripped her five foot seven inch frame down to 90 pounds, where she was taking countless trips to the bathroom each day, could hardly get out of bed, to 10 years later, where Unique is now truly a radiant vision of health at the age of 45, who is also opting to age gracefully and naturally, no less. So just knowing Unique, knowing that she exists, seeing her, hearing her story, learning how she lives her life, really expanded and continues to expand for me what could be possible for me on my own health journey, especially as I also am moving towards my mid-40s. So on that podcast with Lacey Phillips, Unique shared what was the turning point for her on her healing journey and what helped her to get from where she was to where she is now is called the Bean Protocol. I'm going to be honest, when I first heard about the Bean Protocol, it sounded very strange and foreign and non-intuitive, and I was definitely skeptical. But as I learned more about the science behind this protocol, because I'm also kind of a science geek in addition to a health geek, as well as hearing unique stories and the stories of others that she's been working with and who have been on the Bean Protocol, I was intrigued. 
So the day after listening to that interview, I went out and bought some beans. I soaked them. I cooked them in my Instant Pot. And I got Unique's uh, home study course and signed up for some coaching sessions with her. And I've been on the bean protocol ever since and I'm loving it. And in my conversation with Unique today, we speak more about all of this in depth. But before we get to that, I want to first acknowledge that health is a very personal topic. And my health concerns are not, were not severe compared to many others. I'm not on any medication, for instance. So what I share here is my experience, and I know that everyone needs to do what feels good and right for them. Me sharing this is not a way to invalidate anything that you're doing or that you feel called to or that is working for you. And I simply want to share this with you because it's been so beneficial for me. But as always, take what works for you, leave the rest, and always, always trust your own experience first and foremost. So with that said, let's move on to my conversation with Unique Hammond. Welcome, Unique. It's really great to have you here on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here with you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. And we always start our conversations here with a bit of a personal check-in. So I'd love if you can share with us where you're joining us from today, as well as how you're doing at the levels of body, heart, and mind. I am joining you from Los Angeles, California, sunny Los Angeles, California today, and um, I am doing well. I had a moment where my body, I felt like it was fighting with some sort of virus, and I was like, oh no, COVID. So I got tested, and it wasn't that, and I'm feeling really well now as far as physical health goes, but it's interesting how the idea of, of having it, I felt a real relaxed connection to it. Like, oh, if this is going to happen, it's going to happen. Um, and I was surprised by that response. So, but yes, um, emotionally doing well, spiritually doing well, and now physically doing a lot better. <laughs> I'm glad that you got that negative test. Yeah, me too. Yeah. We've just reached the year anniversary of the pandemic. And over this past year, I've learned a lot by asking people how they're doing at this stage, because I know there's many stages that we've all been going through this year and what's been helping them get through. And I'm curious how this time has been for you and what are you finding is helping you the most these days? Um, So it has been a really interesting time. And I think the aspect of staying at home really worked into my um, quiet, more introvert personality um, than feeling the need to be out all the time. Um, so on that respect, I've, I've really enjoyed just kind of being home. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a landscape that in my lifetime of 45 years and, and most people's lifetime, they've never seen something like this. So it's, it's kind of uncharted, you know, waters really. Um, and I was surprised to feel so calm. And it, I should mention also that a per, I have struggled to meditate my entire life. 
it was something my parents did and I knew it had benefits, but I didn't really connect to it. I was like, oh, that's something my parents do. And also I just felt an abundance of energy that sitting still for that amount of time, even doing Shavasana and yoga was a challenge for me where I was like, maybe I'll leave before, you know, (laughs) Um, I was just a really high strung person. So, um, and I have tried to meditate my whole life knowing that the benefits and as I got older, understanding the benefits, but during COVID, right as COVID started, I had pre just before it was kind of brought to awareness, I had signed up to do uh, meditation training for Vedic meditation. And I decided to keep the training and just having to be home before um, uh, curfew. And so in the middle of chaos and there was like fire trucks and police cars and things were just chaotic and I'm driving into Venice to do my meditation training. And it was so interesting because at first I was like, I'm going to cancel this. This is silly. Why am I doing this? And then part of me was just like, no, this is the perfect time when there's chaos to create calm and to not get kind of swept away into the chaos. So for me, now I've been meditating over a year now um, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. And I have to say that it's been a game changer for me. And as a person who could never meditate, um, it has in- been an incredible tool for this time of, of chaos and uncertainty. Well, I'm really happy for you that, that this year afforded you the, the chance to establish that kind of continuity. And you're right. It's like when things are the most chaotic, that's that's like the best time <laughs> to do it but it can also be the hardest time and oh I'm for curious. sure yeah yeah no go ahead no I'm yeah go. yeah I'm curious because I've been meditating for for a long time so it's kind of hard it's just become a, a fabric of my life just for just for 20 years now it's just become just a staple and so it's hard for me to see, like, think about what my life, how it makes my life different, even though I know that it does in many ways. So I'm curious, like, what are, what are some of the big, biggest things that you've noticed this past year by having this daily meditation practice? The, there's two major things that I've noticed for me. And one was sleep where I'm a very active person and I've spent the last 10 years of my life working on quieting my mind because my mind is just has been merciless my whole life, just constant chatter and um, really interfering with any intuition I might've been able to foster um, and a lot of anxiety. Like I was just a high anxiety person. Um, So for me in, in, you know, with eating for health and, eating for calm, which is my lifestyle. Um, The meditation just took it deeper where I suddenly felt this greater connection to um, feeling the nuances in life. Whereas before my anxiety was so loud and my mind was so loud that I oftentimes missed nuances. Um, And I, I tend to be a person that moves quickly and stays busy and likes to stay busy. And um, so it's taught me to slow down. It's taught me to begin my day with meeting with myself and ending my day with meeting with myself. 
And for me, that alone has been priceless, that connection to self in a quiet, present way. And you've been on a health journey for a long time. And I know that's true for a lot of women who are listening. And it sounds like I know your story and just even these shifts and changes and the nuances you've experienced this past year. Um, you've, you've gone through a lot of different stages. So I'm wondering if you can take us back to really when your health journey started and what things were like for you at that time. I mean, well, my, my health challenges, I think, started as young as, you know, being a little girl and not understanding that I was living with anxiety at a really young age. I, looking back, the moment my life became calm and I was cultivating a body of calm, I could trace back the beginning of my health imbalances from, from that young. And then when I got my period and having horrible, painful periods, those, what I understand now are those are all signposts. Um, does a person who has painful periods, will they end up with Crohn's? Like I didn't know, absolutely not. Like mine was a story that kind of built from a hormonal imbalance and into a gut imbalance. Um, you know, I think when you're an anxious person and you see the doctor and you have gut issues in my twenties, um, which I did, it's like, oh, this is IBS. Um, you know, when you have acid reflux, which I did all the time, here's, um, Nexium or here's Tums versus, you know, really stopping and beginning to unpack what that means and why at such a young age or um, is my body already throwing out flares of, Hey, look here. Hey, look here. This is, it was consistent enough that I should have paid it attention, but I wasn't connected to my body in that way. I was just connected to living and surviving and being stuck in survival mode. I didn't stop and, and ask the bigger questions. And so in my late twenties, when my gut issues were getting louder, I did pause and I did, you know, see a Chinese medicine doctor. And, um, and then later when the, when the gut issues kind of kept flaring, I saw a kinesiologist and I had yearly checkups that everything always came back fine. And, you know, Tums or Nexium for the acid reflux and uh, IBS was the loose bowels. And so things were all explained and kind of in these tidy little boxes that I was just really happy to leave them there. Um, because I didn't really have time for it. I didn't have time to meditate. I didn't have time to take care of my body. I mean, I was obviously looking back now, I'm like, wow, you're a hot mess. Like, <laughs> what, what, what were you thinking? Um, so it was early 30s when the gut issues just got so bad. And my Chinese medicine doctor said, you need, you need a GI to look at things. And, you know, doing the things that I was doing at that point just weren't working. And my, I was increased um, bowel activity where I was in the bathroom a lot or looking for bathrooms. And so when I met the GI, there wasn't really a clear path forward. It was really, let's start exploring, um, run my blood work, everything in my blood work at the time didn't point to Crohn's disease. So we ran all kinds of tests of SIBO and this is now 2010, um, and I was really avoiding doing a colonoscopy and an endoscopy 
you know, altogether because I was, I just didn't want to go under. And also I was kind of scared of the, you know, what the diagnosis might be like that really scared me a lot. Um, so I did see a GI and, you know, after running all of those tests, nothing really conclusive other than let's do some exploratory antibiotics to see if there's an A infection, even though nothing showed up in my stool or B, a parasite that's not showing up. And it wasn't until after a couple of rounds of antibiotics that I knew that my body was not the same. Like it was in a horrible state of just inflammation everywhere, skin, rashes, um, the bowel, my bowels were horrible, um, painful, using the bathroom up to 19 times a day. And uh, just things were just, the wheels were falling off really quickly. And for our listeners, what, what is Crohn's disease? It's an inflammatory, inflammatory bowel disease. Um, the most classic presentation, though these days, there's so many different versions now, um, as far as um, like, you know, Crohn's, colitis, um, and it can infect really any part of the digestive tract at this point. And it can anyway, but for me, it was a classic presentation of in the ileum, the ileal cecal area. So um, when I did, and it's an autoimmune, it's classified as an autoimmune disorder disease. When I did finally get desperate enough to go under for an endoscopy and a colonoscopy, that was when I woke up with my diagnosis. I was like, okay, there you go. And I was surprised. I was surprised that I wasn't as scared as I was before. So it sounds like, like just for all of us who have health, you know, health issues, a long health journey, it started when you were young. It started with hormonal imbalance and then got imbalances. And then it, it gradually, as you entered your thirties, which is usually when these like longer term things start to erupt more to the point where we can't ignore them. You said that it's like the wheels just started falling off. You got this diagnosis. And at that point, what, what was your life like? I was working full time as a executive producer, working with directors. And I had two small kids, my youngest being 11 um, I mean, my oldest being 11 and, um, my youngest was around seven. Uh, and I was living and I just, um, had gotten married and, um, and it was, it was just awful. It was really, it was really horrible. I didn't, I didn't really know how to handle it. I, um, I kept working because I felt like I couldn't not, um, which now looking back, you know, I, I should have rested. I should have stopped, but there was this part of me that felt like if I stopped that I was going to die. And, um, so I worked from home a lot. I mean, I was really lucky to have employers that were always really happy for me to take care of myself and work from bed, but I still look back and I'm just like, Holy, Holy shit. (laughs) What were you doing? What were you thinking? You know, I just was, again, I was just so disconnected and so living such an anxious life and, um, not really being present to much. And so I honestly give incredible thanks to my illness because it really course corrected me in my life. I mean, I was so sick that I couldn't attend my daughter's 
shows and school plays and I would and the things that I could attend I would sit in the corner and I'd just be rocking with a hot water bottle hidden under my sweater um like I had burns from the hot water bottle because I I used it so often and so hot to help with the pain and one of the reasons why I invited you on today is you're just you're such an inspiration and I I want listeners to just go and and like look at your Instagram, look at your website. I'll put those links in the show notes, but just to see what a what a model of health you are. Like you're you're such a beautiful woman, and it, it's like it's a beauty that that radiates from this really deep intrinsic health. And I want to get into how how you had such an immense transformation. And just to give a little backstory for the listeners is that I first learned about you and your story and the modality that helped you to heal last summer. I was listening to an interview you did with Lacey Phillips on her podcast, Expanded. And I think the the title of that podcast interview was something like the magic power of beans. And I didn't listen to it for a while because I was like, <laughs> the magic power of beans. And um, it just, it just didn't speak to me. But then I think it also had autoimmune in, in the title. And I've been working with some mystery autoimmune conditions for really the past decade that like you, I think started when I was very young mm-hmm. and um so I, I finally listened to that episode and once I heard your story and once I heard about how you healed through this thing called the bean protocol, which we'll talk about, and also heard about Lacey's experience with it, I literally went out the next day and bought beans <laughs> and I've been awesome. on the protocol ever since then. I've been doing some coaching with you. Um, so first for listeners, can you explain to us what the bean protocol is? Well, for years being on it, and I joke that we live in either um, a paleo world or a vegan world. And what I love about the bean protocol is it's kind of neither. Um, it celebrates plants. It's plants based, plant forward, I guess would be a way to put it. Um, but it suggests protein as well, because what I have found for myself, who tried to be vegan is that my body just didn't respond. I was, um, tired all the time and dragging and being a Californian, of course I had to try being vegan, you know, I was like, oh yeah. Um, so, so what I loved about it, cause I, in my journey to heal my body, I really looked into every autoimmune suggested protocol and um, for gut healing, for inflammation healing, and nothing really worked for me at all. Um, things would start out okay, but then be horrible, or things would just make me worse. And the most interesting thing about an autoimmune disorder is that it's not like, you know, other things where you can try it and it may not make you worse or it may not make you better, but it can, like, different protocols could really make, made me a lot worse than I was um, just by I kicking up too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I tried everything like the autoimmune um, protocol and keto and intermittent fasting. And I was just getting worse and worse. Isn't that wild? It is wild. So and I, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no, I, I actually am happy to hear that because 
I mean, not happy to hear it, obviously, because I want I want everybody ultimately to feel well and vital and to hear that something doesn't work always bums me out, but I always figure they're out there because it works for somebody. Right. Um, I'm like, okay, they're, they can't be that popular and not work for everybody. Like they didn't work for me. Um, but so for years, I couldn't really talk about the beans because I didn't really have language to talk about it. It was like, what are you doing? Um, um, well, I'm eating a lot of beans. <laughs> And doctors look at you like, are you out of your mind? For one, you have an, a gut autoimmune disorder and fiber for anybody who's listening that has any kind of gut issues, fiber is taken off your plate immediately and um, gluten as well. And I had never had a gluten problem, but I was like, all right, well, if gluten's bad, I'm taking it out. And so when I got on the bean protocol, suddenly I was doing something that was a bad word. It was like, lectins and beans and everything is bad. And here I was eating my, I was literally, I was so sick. And, you know, because of my hormonal imbalances, I was even worse off because every ovulation and every period I would go into a massive inflammatory flare. Um, so I was just eating beans all the time and I never slept because of the incredible amount of pain and suffering that I was in. Um, but over time I got, I, I, you know, got good at explaining that it's a whole foods diet with a focus on fiber. And basically what it means is you're eating vegetables, you're eating protein, but you're focusing on soluble fiber versus dietary fiber. Um, and soluble fiber is found in incredible quantities in beans of all things, the most hated food on planet earth. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and I, as from one avoided it like it was the plague like I if I went to a Mexican restaurant and got you know I didn't get the beans like I literally avoided them like it was my job so for them to end up saving my arse literally uh was was a pretty good laugh for me and so for listeners just can you explain how it works so you, you eat a lot of the soluble fiber in the form of beans and then how does that actually heal you so if you do have a gut autoimmune and you're listening to this, I don't suggest you run out and start eating beans because uh, if, if it's um, severe, then it can actually make things worse. So there are steps to healing gut autoimmune um, and just eating beans alone or to, um, to jump off is not necessarily suggested. So I just want to put that out there. Um, but for everybody else who is dealing with hormonal issues, skin issues, um, it's basically adding beans into your life on a regular basis. And what beans, why beans are so magical is that the beans, the soluble fiber, which is something that not a lot of health and wellness focuses on. And the beauty of soluble fiber is that it binds with fats. And, um, and the reason why that's incredible and wonderful is because our bile is fat and our bile is where we store our most toxic toxins and excess hormones and hormones are not really, um, you know, broken down and dispersed in any other way. So if you have an excess of hormones, chances are they're circulating inside of your bile and, um, so when you put soluble fiber into the mix, it'll bind with the bile and pull it out beginning to alleviate this overproduction of hormones. In my case, I had made a lot of poor choices 
um, that landed me where I was. I had surgeries that were unnecessary. I had injured my wrist and I, instead of just trying to figure out a way to heal it, I saw a doctor who said, oh, we can go in there and fix it. And so I was like, yeah. So I was really a doctor friendly person um, who basically did everything I was told. And every time I was say, hey, take an antibiotic, I was like, woohoo, take an antibiotic. It's going to fix everything. And so I went from being like this incredibly trusting person in the medical world to questioning everything. And um, I think what landed me in the seat of Crohn's was just a lot of those poor choices, not really contemplating a bigger picture of longevity of wellness and health. And that was definitely something that my journey taught me. And the beans have been an incredible co-pilot because all of those poor choices, they helped rebalance and pull out the toxins that were circulating in my body that were causing such an inflammatory response. I haven't had a Crohn's flare or gut issues since I've been on the bean protocol. And I've been on the bean protocol since, you know, basically for almost 10 years. That's amazing. And I also just want to voice, like, I don't have, I mean, I, I have some gut issues, but nothing, you know, my overall pretty good gut health. And I, I went on the protocol more for uh, inflammatory, this kind of mystery inflammation in my system that is, has been here regardless of what I did, whether, you know, I was doing the, the celery juice, the whole medical medium thing. Like I said, I was doing intermittent fasting, done various juice cleanses, other kinds of fasting and all sorts of supplements. I was taking so, so many supplements, working with my functional medicine doctor, getting kind of lab work and the inflammation was not going away. And also adrenal fatigue, which I know is a really big one, especially for women. And what I learned through this protocol is that adrenal fatigue is linked to the inflammation because when the adrenals are tired, they can't produce uh, um, corticosteroids, which right. are are the, um, the hormones or the substance that that the body uses to reduce inflammation. And so other aspects of the protocol, which have also been really transformational, and I'd love, to, I'd love for you to speak to it too, is you go off all stimulants, no supplements, which was just revolutionary for me. It just made my life so much easier. And more affordable. I was spending so much money on them. Uh, so no supplements, no exercise, you know, just gentle exercise, uh, prioritizing rest, like getting at least eight to 10 hours of sleep a night and even not having things like cinnamon, which is a stimulant and definitely no caffeine, no sugar, no fruit. Um, can you speak more about that kind of lifestyle component that comes into it too? Well, it's very counterculture is what it is because we live in an environment that when you're tired, you drink coffee to get up and go. And when you're tired in the afternoon, you eat some chocolate or have some more coffee. We don't actually spend time meeting our body where it is because most of us are really scared of where our body actually is. I know I was. Um, and I had gone off a lot of stuff prior to meeting Karen. Um, and Karen Hurd is, is really the woman who created this protocol that I have the honor of um, coaching people through. And she, I worked with her for years um, as her client and then 
I've worked with her for years now as coaching her clients and coaching my own clients um, because the Bean Protocol really changed my life. It, it changed everything for me. Um, but I was a really, uh, you know, I, I was just always living on adrenaline. And if it wasn't my own anxiety, I was living on coffee and chocolate and, you know, things that are quote unquote good for us. I was just an anxiety junkie, adrenaline junkie. And um, I really didn't have an idea of what, what actual energy was. And so I'd gotten off a lot of those things prior to meeting Karen, but then really understanding that when your body is unwell and if your body is burned out, that turning to stimulants only perpetuates the problem because it's constantly asking the body. It's constantly, in Karen's words, whipping it's creating an adrenaline whip of like, okay, I know I'm, I'm really tired, but I'm just going to keep whipping these little adrenal glands to produce more and more until we end up with things like chronic fatigue, where it doesn't matter how much coffee you drink, you're, there is no get up and go. And then the body starts to hurt, right? Because it's not, it doesn't have enough to create cortical steroids. It doesn't have anything left to give. And by the way, then we're building towards a crash landing into menopause for us women, um, which is, a really a story that most of us don't think about until we get into menopause and we're crash landing. And then we're like, Oh shit, menopause. But I have to say like everything I do now is about menopause at 45. My life is about like coasting into menopause instead of crash landing, by the way, which is all about the adrenal glands as well. Hint. Um, but yeah, so removing everything and then suddenly you're meeting people for a cup of hot water is not socially very acceptable, by the way. Like they look at you like, what, you're just going to have a hot water instead of coffee or tea or any, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I am because I'm no longer spending my days whipping my little adrenal glands because I did that for the first half of my life. But um, in the process for healing, you really, doesn't mean that you can't have them in your life at some point and find balance with them, but to heal a lot of times, all of those stimulants are taken out so that your body can just, begin to rest and get into parasympathetic and begin the process of healing. And this has been, you know, I've considered myself a, a healthy person. It's very health conscious for, you know, at least the past two decades. And so I'm not someone who is drinking a ton of coffee, but I, I loved my matchas with oat milk and in the morning and a piece of dark chocolate after lunch and even just taking those out, I see that those were crutches. And like you said, I was able to see more of the, those nuances underneath of, of the tiredness and the way I was, I was giving my system a boost. And now I need to listen much more closely to not, not get to the place of being too tired or too stressed because I notice when I'm feeling stressed or when I feel adrenaline come into my system, I start to crave. I start to crave chocolate or coffee or matcha or a kombucha because there's also no no kombucha on this either. And um, just learning how to manage my energy so that I can stay in this in this calm parasympathetic state and not need to reach for those things to make me feel better, which ultimately is just making me feel worse. Right. It's kind of, it's an adjustment. It's a, it's a major mind adjustment, mental adjustment, understanding adjustment. Um, you know, it's, and it's really triggering for people. I can tell you that, um, you know, people get really 
upset, like unique, but coffee is good for me. And look at all of these antioxidants and dark chocolate and matcha. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. They have these beneficial qualities, but unfortunately within them, they carry this other quality that is counter um, productive to your healing process. So in honor of the healing process, those are things that are not on the, on the, you know, on the plate. Um, and it's, you know, it's, I also giggle too, because beans have been so demonized over time because of their anti-nutrients, but all of people's favorite foods have anti-nutrients in them, such as coffee and dark chocolate and, um, and wine. So. And I think for some people's systems, it's fine to have all those things. And for some of us who, you know, I, I know one of the nicknames for this, the bean protocol is the desperation diet. So it's like <laughs> some of us who've really tried everything and it hasn't worked. Um, for me, it was just getting, getting really honest of saying like, Hey, Sarah, you know, these things are, are getting in the way of this health and this calm in the body and the nervous system that you really want. And just coming back to that place of priorities, you know, do I want my health long-term or do I want this like little pleasure, this little rush in present moment? Yeah. I call that the mouth party. Do you want the five second mouth party or longevity of health and wellness? And it, because it really usually is a five second, like dark chocolate. And then you've tapped your adrenal glands again. And um, now with all of that said in a healthy body is finding a healthy balance with your favorite foods possibility. Absolutely. But the problem with those things that are addictive, like coffee and, and dark chocolate has um, caffeine in it as well is things with caffeine or sugar is that they don't, we don't usually have a measure with them, um, where, Oh, I'll have, um, a coffee twice a week. It's like, Oh, I'll have a coffee twice a week. And then Monday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday and then Thursday. And then, oops, I'm having coffee every day of the week. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it becomes a ritual instead of the occasional. And I think it's in the ritual that things can become imbalanced, unfortunately. I totally agree. And I always, because when I would do a cleanse in the past for like two weeks or a month and I go off caffeine, I'd always have the intention that after the cleanse, you know, I would just do, I would just do caffeine once a week. I mean, yeah, like you said, I'd start out with that, but then six months later, I'd be back to every day and dreading doing another cleanse and that I'd be off, you know, needing to be off, wean myself off caffeine again. And yeah. Yeah. I also want to speak to this, this liver cleansing component, because I think it's important how, you know, there's so many liver cleanses and all sorts of cleanses out there. And I've certainly done, I've done a lot of them. And I know one of the, one of the issues for me, it has been my liver. I just have, you know, in Chinese medicine, it could be like liver chi, um, too much liver chi. And I, I was just born with that imbalance, maybe because there's, there's alcoholism in my family line. I had viral hepatitis when I was a small child. And I've always known that my liver, I just can't take like the toxic load that other bodies can and do fine and do fine with. And mm -hmm. all the different sorts of liver support that I've done, I mean, I'm sure it's done something, but obviously not enough to really address the the deeper underlying issues that I'm that I'm still that I'm still focusing on. 
but can you can you speak more about how how this diet really does help to actually detox the liver? Oh, my favorite, because I being again, a California girl, you know, the cheese cleanses and the liver detoxes are really top of the menu in life. And um, everybody does it and swears by it and feels better after it. And I'm, I'm one of those people who would partake in such cleanses in my 20s. And, um, and what I love about the bean protocol is that for me, my interpretation of it is it's all about trusting the body. And I think we, again, the culture is to not trust our body, is to second guess it, is to not trust our liver, to abuse it and then not trust it, right? Um, alcohol, drugs, whatever, medications, um, just whatever we want, we expect our liver to meet the demand. And then when things are not going well, oh my God, liver cleanse, Um and let's force the liver to detox. Um, to me, the way I connected to this protocol was, how about I begin to trust my body? How about I begin to listen to it? How about I begin to defend the castle? And instead of forcing it to my will and forcing it to do things, I'm going to start trusting it. I'm going to give my body what it needs, and then I'm going to trust it to take that information and to use it for vitality, health, wellness, um, which is, it's, it's, that's what it's here to do. It's this incredible, um, machine that cleaves information, uh, denatures food and pulls nutrients from food and fiber. And it's an extraordinary machine. Um, I refer to it often as none of us know that we're born with the most expensive, incredible vehicle that we'll ever own in this life. And you know how expensive it is when it breaks down, by the way. Uh, no parts are replaced easily. Um, and But it's it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And we just don't know it because it's just a given that this body, um, unless we are born unwell, um, that this body will run and it'll do things for us. No matter what, what kind of garbage we put in, we're still going to be fine. It's kind of this disconnect. And I was one of those people, which is why I know it intimately. Um, but to me, what's incredible about the being protocol, for me, my interpretation of it is give the body incredible nutrients and trust it to do what it does. So instead of forcing the liver to detox, and then, by the way, you forced out all of these toxins and they get go back into the bloodstream and guess where they end up again? At the door of the liver. Knock, knock. Guess who it is? All of these toxins you just released because... Um, the fat soluble ones are only going to exit the body from the bile. So if you're not eating soluble fiber, how are those toxins getting out of your body? They're probably not, or not fast enough. So force the liver to detox so and then have nowhere to go. And then the liver's like, oh shit. All right, you're back. Reprocess you again, tuck you back into the bile. And hopefully you're gone this time. But for most of us, the story of our, Poor health is back to the liver, gallbladder sludge, gallbladder disease, gut issues, um, liver issues, you know, just no real Hormonal support. Issues. And, huh? Hormonal issues with the liver. Hormonal issues, right? Yeah. So the bean protocol, it, it simply, simply does not force the liver to do anything. It simply says, here's a trash bag. Here's a trash bag. And I'm going to take out the trash. And then you lighten the load. 
you have healthier bile, you have healthier cholesterol, you have healthier bowel movements, you're feeding your microbiome with the fibers in the beans and in whole foods, you're feeding your microbiome. Most people on the bean protocol don't even need a probiotic unless they've done an antibiotic because you're constantly feeding your microbiome with healthy, good foods. Um, so to me, the, the healing process wasn't just healing my body, it was healing how I related to my body, but also how I related to food. And to me, food is a tool for vitality, wellness, and energy to give back in life um, versus, oh, food is just pleasure and food, which is what I used it for before, because I definitely had a disordered eating past. And it was like, food is lonely, food is unhappy, food is sad, food is food is celebratory, food is a lonely, food is all of these things, but food was never nourishment. It was all of these other things. And um, in the process of healing my physical body, I healed, most definitely healed my emotional body um, and pretty incredible. So the long answer to the short question of how do beans support the liver? Very well. Um, the visual that I love to give my clients is think about taking out your trash at night. You take it out to the curb, you come back inside, you go to sleep, you wake up in the morning and it's strewn around your house. That's your life without soluble fiber. That's your liver without soluble fiber. With soluble fiber, you take the trash out at night, you wake up in the morning, ah, everything is clean, the house smells good, there's no trash. And I've heard Karen heard the founder of the Beam Protocol say that the two kinds of soluble fiber that can bind with the bile because they're strong enough to bind with the bile are the soluble fiber in beans and in psyllium husk. Yep, so all like, of the other fibers. Yeah. 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 And I think this is also a good time to mention just another feature of the bean protocol, which can seem weird. It definitely seemed weird to me when I when I heard about it and when I started it, but now I'm used to it. It's just a way of life, is that you eat beans and fats separately, at least 90 minutes. Not apart. always. Not always. Not can always. You speak more to that. Yeah, not always. Yeah. And so I also wanted to say that Karen does not call this the bean protocol. This is something that, that I've called it. Um, and my friend Lacey calls it, but this, she, like, I think when we started saying bean protocol, she was like, what? <laughs> um, it was just what she was doing. Yeah. It was just, it was just a healthy lifestyle. Um, yeah. It was kind of funny actually. But um, so, so yeah, so beans with fat, um, so healthy person, beans and fats together, wonderful, because there is no science behind how much fat binds up how much soluble fiber. So really separating it is really for more um, severe scenarios that need that detox element. But just by adding beans into your life, whether there's some fat or less fat, you're still going to get some benefit from that soluble fiber because there's the the idea behind it is that you're not going to bind up all of it. So some will still be available to bind with your uh, bile, but there have been no studies as to what that ratio is. I tend to um, just do less fats with my beans at these days. And if I'm feeling like I need the extra support because I'm anxious or whatever, after doing this podcast with you, I'll definitely have some beans without fat. Um, but 
uh, yeah, so it's it's very it's very much uh, health imbalance by health imbalance that one would do fats or no fats with their beans. I'm at the point where Karen would say you can have beans and fats together, live your best life. Um, but I still tend to 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 keep them somewhat separated, just habit. And um, when I eat all of those healthy fats, I want all of them as well. I don't want to share them with my beans. Yeah. And can you speak to the form of healthy fats that that are called for here? Healthy fats on the bean protocol are not saturated fats. And I know that there's, um, I've, you know, obviously studied a lot of the various protocols out there and there's a lot that are very um, saturated fat heavy. But for inflammatory reasons, saturated fats can be very inflammatory. So I remember you know, six years ago, telling people when I started coaching <clears throat> to start, and, and I started with family and friends and friends of friends, by the way, like, and I did it for free for a long time because it was just something I wanted to do to give back. Um, it only became my career later when I realized my coaching days were my favorite days. Um, but when I started telling people to cut out coconut and uh, minimize saturated fats. It was like, but coconut's so healthy for you. And I remember talking to Karen about it. I didn't, I was never a coconut person. I think I would have it on vacation. Um, and she was like, it's a saturated fat and saturated fat causes oxidative species in the body. And most people will have some underlying condition of infl inflammation going on. And it basically will just feed that inflammation. So healthy fats on the bean protocol look more like avocado, avocado oil, um, olives, olive oil, uh, nuts with salt, nut butters, all the nuts, basically what you're not allergic to or perfectly fine, seeds, wonderful, um, salmon, wonderful, those omega-3s, um, all of that is considered healthy fats. And can you, can you walk us through what, what your typical day looks like in terms of this framework, like what you eat and drink and what your, what your lifestyle is like now? So a day in the life of me, no joke, looks something like this just about every day of my life is I wake up, I take um, a teaspoon of psyllium husk or two, just depending on how much I eyeball. Um, I do 20 minutes of yoga. I come back and have breakfast and usually that will contain anywhere from, uh, two tablespoons to a half a cup of beans, depending on how hungry I am. I start my day with vegetables. I usually start it with sauteed, um, kale, chard and collards that I batch cook on Sunday. And then I usually have one soft boiled seven minute egg. I have that every morning um, and, and there are mornings that I don't, I promise that I'm like no egg. Um, and I do something else like um, some turkey breast if I batch cooked it, but I basically eat batch cooked food. Batch cooking has saved my health because I'm any, like any normal human being, if there's not something healthy made, I'll look for whatever's easiest. Thankfully in my house, it's all healthy choices, but still whole foods, vegetables is always going to be the best choice over something else. Um, so, and then water, warm water all day long. I have it now. I sip it all day long. Um, we burn up about six cups of water a day just by existing. So you have to drink that six and then some to actually be hydrated. And that could be more or less for a person who's working out or, or not working out or 
you know, body weight, et cetera. I try to go for about three liters a day. Um, and then lunch will look like a chickpea stew with maybe a little bit of chicken with it. I don't eat a ton of um, protein, but I do eat it three times a day, uh, usually in the winter. And then in summer, sometimes it's twice a day, it's just more how I feel, but I always aim for uh, two to three ounces for my body type and weight um, a day with each meal. Um, and then I usually in the afternoon after lunch, I'll have either a few tablespoons of nut butter while I work and with a little sea salt, or I'll put it on a rice cracker, or I'll have a half avocado with olive oil and hemp seeds or furikake, which is a little bit of seaweed. Um, I'm a big supporter of people having seaweed in their diet weekly as a way to get natural iodine to feed that beautiful thyroid of you of yours that keeps your weight um, and energy levels humming along. And um, so I always work in seaweed, nori um, often. Stay away from hijiki as it has arsenic in it a lot. Um, and then I usually an early dinner. I, I go to bed early. I'm a, I'm a, I have a, what is it called? I call myself a granny, but really it's a dedication to sleeping well. And I usually go to bed before nine o'clock every night. So just in case. Same here. I'm in the, I'm in the granny club with you. <laughs> oh, it's the best. My daughter just it is the dies. Best. She's like, knowing that I can't call you after eight 30 is hilarious. And I'm like, yeah, but you can call me at 5 a.m. Um, but yeah, so that's, and then, to, and then I'll try to squeeze in that last uh, meditation. And that's what a day in the life of me looks like literally any day of the week. Beautiful. And I want to just speak to some of the things you mentioned, the, the batch cooking, that has been revolutionary for me. I was never a batch cooker until I started with this protocol and it's just, it has made my life so much easier and it takes out, it takes the decision-making out and makes a meal prep just such a breeze, especially lunch, like in the middle of the workday, because I'll have a bunch of steamed veggies. I'll have a bunch of beans. Um, maybe I'll have pre-cooked um, chicken or fish. And I just throw it all together with some spices and I have a meal. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I don't eat a lot of raw foods, but I have a lot of clients who literally, you know, to make it easy, not everybody batch cooks, not everybody wants to batch cook as easy as it has made my life. I was never a batch cooker until the bean, you know, the bean protocol when I was like, well, if I don't have food on hand, I'm just going to eat, on, I'm just going to survive on bread and nut butter. Um, so batch cooking has, because nobody gets enough greens. Those are all of your cofactors. Those are your you know, minerals, those, and they have three times more vitamins and minerals than fruit, by the way. So making sure you get your vegetables three to five times a day is so incredibly key to living in a vital and well body. Um, you, you don't get the same benefit from supplements. Supplements don't have the fiber and our body wants to cleave things out of those fibers. And there's information in there that I'm sure we can't even comprehend. Um, so to me, it's like starting my day with vegetables and ending my day with vegetables and in between snacking on vegetables if I'm hungry or, you know, it's like I'm constantly always looking to get that extra vitamins in from it. Um, but for people who are like, yeah, yeah, this is great, unique, but I'm not batch cooking. You can literally get a salad, rinse a can of beans, throw half of it into your salad. If you're a well person and you're not, for whatever reason, separating your fats, do some nice olive oil, lemon, and boom, there it is. Um, 
you know, it's, it can be as easy or as hard as you want to make it the bean protocol. But for me, batch cooking makes it by far the easiest. And I also wanted to highlight something that you said earlier about this, this concept of trusting the body. And that's something that I love about this approach too, is that we're not, we're not kind of dousing the system with all these exogenous substances, all these supplements and, and herbs and things. And there, there's a place and time for all of that. And there's no judgment for anyone who's, who's on that path. Cause I was on that for a long time, but I just, I really always come back to that the body and the psyche are self-healing. And when, when we create the circumstances, like you said, just feed the body what it needs and live in a way where we're listening to what the body needs, then it, which is, you know, it's the body is a miracle. <laughs> kind of when we support it and, and um, stop flooding it with, with so much stimuli. Yeah, it, um, it was something that, that really, really came to me um, in, in this entire healing process. And it is my approach. I work with people all over the world. And some people come to me on a lot of medication, wanting to get off. And they're always surprised when I say, no, you don't have to get off everything to start the bean protocol. And they're like, well, what? I heard that no supplements and no da da da. And I'm like, no, there. I understand the value of the medical world, and I appreciate the uh, I appreciate it, um, just like I appreciate the holistic health world. Um, even though it's over prescribing supplements, hand over fist, um, the same way the medical world is over prescribing medications. Um, but I, I really profoundly respect both of them because I understand the value of each, right? So I had a client today who was like, you mean I don't have to get off all of my X, Y, and Z? And I was like, no. And she's like, oh, well, that makes me feel so much better. And I'm like, well, of course, like there's you coming off a medication is a personal journey with you and your doctor. I'm here to support your physical body in healing. And um, you're, you know, and then along the path, a lot of people by testing their blood, by communicating with their doctor, will end up getting off stuff. But it's not a mandatory start part of the process. Um, and, and I take the same approach with uh, supplements. I have some people in my practice that really benefit from certain supplements because of their health imbalances. Um, but mostly people will get off everything because they understand the value of giving their endocrine system a break. And a lot of supplements are can release adrenaline and, and whip the adrenals as well, because they are an extracted information versus coming in their fiber and food in their fiber actually is a slow extraction process um, in the body. So everything is slow and everything is at the body's pace instead of our own. So this beautiful thing of trusting your body, giving it what it needs. Um, it's not always what we want. What we want might be the quick fix, the party, the mouth party, the X, Y, and Z, but that's, that's us, right? What our body thrives on is give me all of this incredible information and I'll use it to make you the most powerful version of yourself, the most vital and the most well. Um, and to me, that's just an incredible symbiotic relationship to be the custodian of the body and to empower it in that way. 
And that this is a slow, gentle, gradual journey. Like you said, it's not a quick, it's not quick fix. You've been on it for 10, 10 years. Is that right? Yeah. Coming up on 10 years. It's kind of crazy, actually. I take a quick break from this conversation to let you know about a virtual retreat I'm leading this May in partnership with the Shambhala Mountain Center based in Colorado, and it's called the Deep Rest Retreat. This is happening the weekend of May 22nd and 23rd. And in line with today's conversation with Unique, I want to offer this retreat because I know so many of us, especially women, are experiencing deep exhaustion. And simply being a human being can be exhausting, especially when we live in a culture that condemns rest. Add to that a pandemic, an ever-quickening pace of life, plus any other curveballs that might be thrown our way, and we're lucky if we don't burn out at best or reach our breaking point at worst. And as we all know, doing too much and too often takes a toll and creates hormonal imbalances, illness, relational distress, tanked creativity, as well as more emotional and mental suffering. So during these tiring times, let's gather together to revalue and reclaim the sacred practice of deep rest. will replenish every dimension of your being, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And this weekend retreat will include inspiring wisdom talks, women's yin and slow flow yoga, Buddhist meditation, journaling, ample time for self-care, nature walks, group sharing, and sacred silence. Within this container, you'll have the space, inner and outer quiet, inspiration, supportive sisterhood, and guidance you need to make rest a more regular and regarded part of your life. All self-identified women with all levels of yoga and meditation experience are warmly welcome. And if you can't attend live, recordings will also be available afterwards. Plus, to make these teachings accessible to all, a sliding scale is available. You can learn more and join this retreat at shambhalamountain.org. That's shambhalamountain.org. S-H-A-M-B-H-A-L-A mountain.org. And there's also a link in the show notes. And now back to my conversation with Unique. I I realize now that I am a high adrenaline producer, which is part of why I have had like long-term adrenal fatigue. And with this way of living that I've been in for the past nine months or so, I feel more calm and grounded and just steady in my physicality Mm. than I ever have before, just consistently. Mm. Mm. What a gift. Yeah. And I didn't realize how, just how much adrenaline was in my system, just on a, just a regular day-to-day basis. I just, that was just my normal, even though I do all this meditation and yoga and all the things it's, it is totally different when I changed my, my food. 
Do you find that the years, and by the way, I admire you so much for the work you do and the fact that you've been a long time meditator, because I think that's really, I think it's incredible. Um, But do you find now in your practice that that calm that you cultivate in meditation that you're able to um, be in throughout your day? Because I have found that I, I used to be a highly reactive person now I pride myself in being slow and responding instead of reacting to things, even in situations where all I want to do is react because my old self will come charging forward of like react. And I'll just be like, no, nope, we're chilling. We're waiting for the response because the response is incredibly powerful. And the reaction is always most often regretful unless you're truly saving a life, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, it's hard to tell like what's what's like the result of more of the contemplative practices and learning to wait before responding, but and what's the, what's the the aspect of the physicality? But I think the physicality definitely helps because when I'm like when I'm amped up from with some caffeine or chocolate or kombucha or whatever, I notice I have a sensitive system and it does it does make me more elevated and less grounded. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I just feel very grounded. To me, that is, that is the reason. Cause people will ask me, Oh man, how, why are you so strict or how long are you going to be on this thing? And I'm like, for life, it's, it's a gift that, um, that I value the gift of health and wellness and a clear mind and a connected body and a calm nervous system. And I, I cannot imagine a diff- another life from this one. Nor do I want and I, to. And I want to speak to, I want to honor your time, but I just want to speak to this one aspect because I know some people are probably thinking about it. Like, well, what do I do in terms of relationship? And I know you've mentioned to me that you've just integrated this into your family life with your husband and your kids. Like you just have beans with all your meals. And I, you know, with, with my boyfriend now, I was nervous to share with him that I'm on the bean protocol, but now he's actually doing it a lot too. Not, not in like the, not in the full sense that I am, but he's like, he's, he's batch cooking his veggies and he's cooking his beans and his instant bread. And like, we have, we have these meals together and he's noticing a big shift in just how he feels just throughout the day, just much steadier and less of these, these spikes of energy. Oh, that's the best. That's the best. I love it when clients of mine, you know, reveal their lifestyle and then their partner gets in on it. Or um, like I had one of my clients today where she was the one, she was like the one who changed her diet and her husband just kind of kept doing his thing. But then as he watched her transform and look healthier and better energy and better skin, he went like, well, maybe I should do this too. And she was telling me today that he lost 20 pounds and he feels amazing and he can never imagine eating any other way. And I was just like, yes, this is like, like beating people unite. (laughs) And I was the same as you. I used to be anti-bean. Yeah. And now I'm just, I'm reformed for sure. Uh, And there's so many beans. It's just like the deep, deeper, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I mentioned, but I'm writing, my second book called The Bean Protocol. Um, right. And, you know, 
for it, I've been diving deep into the history of beans. Now, I don't know how much I'm going to put in there, but just for my own um, understanding. And I, I'm just blown away by the depth of, of bean history there is out there. And how it's been a part of just cultures around the world, whether it's like Indian, um, Chinese, the, the, you know, the soybean, even though we don't have soybean on the, on, on your protocol, um, just South American, Central America, it's, it's just ubiquitous, but it's pretty much gotten erased from American culture. Just thinking that it's, it gives you gas or it has lectins. It's bad for your health. It has too many carbs, all, all different reasons. Yeah. Really demonized. Um, you know, I, I joked for a long time. It was the, he who shall not be named was the bean um, because it was just so demonized. And I, when I decided to go full time with coaching and um, nutrition, my nutrition practice and with the bean protocol, I, I went to school going, if I practice anything, it will be the bean protocol. And actually Karen Hurd was the one who wrote my letter to the college I went to um, uh, recommended me such such an incredible woman. I just love and admire her and I'm thankful for her every day, obviously, because of my own health. Um, but I kept I kept working because I really loved my career of 20 something years and the people I worked with. Um, but also I just thought nobody, nobody's gonna want to do this with me. And I remember Karen saying, like, Unique, you're about to head into an uphill battle. And I remember saying back to her, there's some things worth fighting for. And I don't know if I'll have uh, a lot of clients, but the ones who find me are the ones who are supposed to find me. And like I was supposed to find you. And I'm not going to worry about the rest. I'm just going to worry about doing work that aligns with my beliefs. And I'll, I'll let the rest figure itself out. And I have clients all over the world who... Like me, you know, when I wrote Your Taste Buds Are Assholes and I called the protocol the desperation diet um, are desperate. And they're just like, I just, I don't care how long this is going to take. I just want a road that feels like it's going somewhere. That's a great way to put it. And that's what I found, have found in working with you and doing this protocol. It's like, finally, it's a road that feels like it's going somewhere and I'm I'm noticing results in ways that I have never before. And I know I know it's a long road because it's it's taken me a long time to get here, but it's it's a road that I feel good about being on. Being and on. I, yeah. Being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as to close, I'm wondering if you can share with us, Unique, what is your current growing edge? Ooh, what is my current growing edge? Explain to me a little bit about that. Like um, something new that you're adopting or that feels kind of like a stretch or a challenge. I know you mentioned meditation, but it sounds like you've kind of found your groove with that. But an area of growth that you're leaning into. The area of growth, I mean, I, um, it's just um, continued growth and learning and uh, for me, life, life is the edge, you know, I'm constantly open to learning something new, somebody bringing something to me. Um, I tend to be a person that's so in the moment that um, I can, you know, lose the bigger picture at times. So I'm constantly working on that of like stepping back and, 
and gathering the big picture. But I, I honestly, I'm, I'm constantly reading health books. I trained as an AIP coach. To me, it's continued learning is, is my edge um, and being open to constantly learning new information and being challenged by that new information. Um, yeah, I love, I, I think my favorite thing about life is not knowing. And Unique, how can people learn more about you? And is there anything in particular you want to point people to? I would say jump on my Instagram at Unique Hammond. Um, there's an incredible amount of information there. I only share when I have something to say, and I think most of my followers can attest to that. I'm not a person that's on there all the time. I jump in and jump out. I answer questions. I do Q&As from time to time for my new, uh, new people that follow me. Um, I have an IGTV of healing stories from clients that I'll be picking up uh, at the end of this month and or in March, I'll be picking up. Um, I don't know when this is going to air, um, but because I'm writing this book, I've been trying to create space to just focus on it on the weekends. Um, but yeah, my Instagram is a great place or my website, yourgreat.com. Beautiful. And we'll link to all of those in the show notes. Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, it's great to see you. It's great to talk to you. And thank you so much for having me on. Likewise, thanks for being with us and for sharing with us your, your healing journey and all the wonderfulness of the Bean Protocol. All right. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining me and for taking this time out for yourself. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be very grateful if you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast. That way, other women who might enjoy it can better find it. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support.